0: I'll just
1: be easy now. Take your time. Let's not worry too quickly. My husband? Yes? My husband's in love. Of course. With a mermaid. I beg your pardon? Mermaid. M-E-R-A... I can spell, thank you. Mermaid, eh? A blonde, I believe. And uh, when you say mermaid, you mean I take it a sort of fish? Only half. The other half, I understand, is quite human. Oh, yes, of course. He caught her off the island of St. Hilda's in the British West Indies shortly after we arrived there in November. And since then, a whole woman I can understand, I suppose, but... Did you ever see this uh,
0: creature yourself?
1: Only her tail.
0: You saw her tail?
1: In the bathtub
0: once. The mermaid was taking a bath. A bubble bath. If
1: you'll pardon me, Mrs. Peabody. Which of you is the subject of this consultation, your husband or yourself? Hello and welcome to the Film and Water Podcast. Proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I'm your host, Rob Kelly. And this week we are talking about the 1948 fantasy comedy, Mr. Peabody and the Mermaid, starring my favorite, William Powell. And uh, I cannot think of a better person to talk with me about this movie than uh, the host of The Mermaid Podcast, my friend Laura Von Holt. Hi, Laura.
0: Hello.
1: (laughs) Thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it.
0: I'm thrilled to have any opportunity to talk about A Mermaid, so thank you. <laughs>
1: well, there you go. It was perfect. Yeah, I mean, I was, uh, Laura was nice enough to have me on her show to talk about the Aquaman movie, or talk about Aquaman specifically, before the movie came out. And this was one of these movies where Mr. Peabody and the Mermaid, it's, it's a movie I'd only seen once many, many years ago. I saw it mostly because William Powell's in it because I was such a huge fan of his. And and after I, I got off the, the show with you, I had such a fun time talking to you that I was like, well, I want to have you on my show. Show. Yeah. and then of course i like to have people on that for a movie that plays into their expertise of course and there are you know lots of mermaid movies There splash of course is the the one people think of the most and there are other ones there's there was one a couple of years ago called lore i believe which is like a mermaid mm-hmm. horror movie yes um, but but this one is obscure and i yeah, I feel like uh, I'm probably going to be the only person who's ever going to talk about it on a podcast. <laughs> so I asked if you wanted to, to do it, and, and thankfully you said yes, and you watched it. So before we get into the, the details and what you thought of the movie, I do want to give everybody just a brief rundown of, of the people involved. Like I said, it stars William Powell, who, of course, was in the Thin Man movies, and it was the partner for Myrna Loy, another one of my favorites, uh, across uh, 14 movies. This was the first movie he did after Song of the Thin Man which is the final uh, th- final Thin Man movie of of the six and it was also right after he did a movie called The Senator Was Indiscreet which is a very obscure comedy where he plays a corrupt senator. I don't understand that. And uh, what I love about that movie is that is that movie is the final appearance of William Powell and Myrna Loy in a movie together. She feature, she is a unbilled cameo in that movie, and that is the last time they ever appeared on on film together. So this is the first film he did after kind of the, you know the big run where he was a, a big time leading man. Um, the mermaid is played by Anne Blythe, who. Uh, strangely enough was born on august 16th my birthday she's still <laughs> around uh she was in the movies brute force she was oscar nominated for her appearance in mildred pierce uh, her last credit is a 1985 episode of murder she wrote it also stars irene hervey who play who was in uh play misty for me cactus flower industry rides again night monster it was produced and written by nunnally johnson uh a really really uh, renowned uh screenwriter who wrote the dirty dozen how to marry a millionaire the man in the gray flannel Suit*, and the grapes of wrath uh, the cinematography is by russell Metty, who did a couple of films you've heard of spartacus touch of evil the omega men the misfits all that heaven allows and orson welles's the Stranger, it was edited by Marjorie Fowler, one of the few female film editors of the time. She worked on films like Dr. Doolittle, Conquest of the Planet of the Apes, The Three Faces of Eve, The Woman in the Window. And she was the daughter of Nunnally Johnson, uh, oddly enough. So oh. Maybe that's probably how she got the gig. And it was uh, directed by Irving... Pichel, who directed Tomorrow is Forever with Orson Welles, the, Mercury, the Miracle of the Bells, Destination Moon, and he was also an actor. He appeared in Dracula's Daughter. He died in 1954, so not too long after, after this movie. And the basic plot of it is it opens with a woman named Polly Peabody, played by Irene Hervey. She explains to a psychiatrist that her husband, played by William Powell, is in love with a mermaid. The doctor, of course, doesn't believe her and decides to talk to the husband directly. Insisting he isn't crazy, Mr. Peabody explains how one day while fishing off a small island in the Caribbean, he caught a mermaid. And basically the whole movie at that point is telling a story of how Mr. Peabody has fallen in love with this mute Mermaid and how he of course has to keep it hidden from everybody, including his wife, because no one's gonna believe that he actually has a mermaid. And then the authorities get involved when the rumor gets out that there's actually this strange person going around with Mr. Peabody. So uh it's an unusual movie to say the least, but so I've talked Laura enough. Laura, I want to ask you a couple different things. First of all, like what do you thought of it? What do you thought of it as a movie? And then also what do you thought of it as a piece of mermaid iconography? Like what do you thought how you think it stacks up in terms of like the history of mermaids in general
0: yeah i mean i have so much to say um as far as um of it as a film i was excited to see because i've always heard about it um and i knew that it was a, an early mermaid movie um i was also i've also been interested in it because i um it was filmed part of the underwater scenes were filmed at, in wiki springs in right. florida which if you don't know is a very um Famous uh, mer- underwater mermaid theater, where um, even today they have mermaids perform in underwater shows, and they have a thing called Mermaid Camp, and I have gone twice, so I am a double graduate of the Weeki Wachee Springs Mermaid Camp. Um, so <laughs> I, I know the spring very well, um, and so I had I knew that it, that the the filming of the movie there had kind of helped make Weeki Wachee famous. Um, because it because it appeared in the film um, so I was just excited to get to see it in general because I wanted to see it and then as a film um, you know I was very excited it's the kind of style of film you don't really see anymore um, the, the comedy of it is really particular to the time um, I enjoyed how much there's a tropical setting in black and white and so even though you don't see the color of it I think you still got a sense of um, the atmosphere in which it's supposed to take place um, you know I did really like it for uh, the comedy especially I think Anne Blythe as a mermaid was phenomenal she it's a non-speaking role and the things that she does with her face in that movie are really wonderful um i loved it for the old hollywood glamour of how they would make a mermaid tail and how the mermaid appears with the glitter in her hair and even when she's underwater it looks like her hair is dry um (laughs) i really really enjoyed that that kind of like esther williams um kind of angle to it um but yeah i just thought it was really a really uh, funny film but the the Kind of heart of the story is really about immortality and um, I think Mr. Peabody's um, fear of mortality, um, you know, it starts with him in the psychiatrist's office, but when they flash back to how he met the mermaid, it begins with um, Mr. and Mrs. Peabody on vacation and she's kind of needling him about turning 50. Right. Um, And then he immediately meets the mermaid. And so I was like, oh, I had thought this was going to be another kind of story about, um, you know, like a fisherman and a mermaid or something. And really, this was a film about um, aging and mortality and, um, you know, what we do with our reactions to the latter half of our lives. Um, So and I love that it was a comedic on that it really kind of poked fun at, at um, how we imagine ourselves as old or how we try to hold on to youth in a certain way um and I thought it really kind of made fun of like a midlife crisis and that that angle of it was really refreshing to me um so yeah that, that's what I felt about as a film but I've got a lot to say about every ang- mermaid angle on it
1: <laughs> all right yeah I mean uh I they really do kind of act like in the beginning that that the uh, Mr. Peabody turning fifty is like this death marker, and yeah, as, like, so, a, as, <laughs> as, as as someone who is is galloping pretty quickly on fifty, that was pretty <laughs> that yeah. was pretty depressing. I was like, oh, oh my god! Now, Pal was actually fifty six when he made this movie, so he was already past fifty. But yeah, I mean this this movie really is like you just said; it's really more about. It it is, I mean, obviously it has that mermaid angle, but it really is about a guy who is just not handling well the idea that he is getting older. And Mm -hmm. that, and the the fantasy of of like, that he probably on some level, like cracks mentally a little Mm -hmm. bit. Now, of course, I don't think the movie, like a lot of, like a lot of movies could, they could suggest, is, he, is this really happening or is this all a dream? I don't think the movie suggests that. I think this no, movie I don't. Flat, straight ahead says, no, no, no. He met a mermaid. But the mermaid yeah. is, of course is, is a stand-in for his lost youth or the things he wants to do because he has a bunch of scenes where he is he's fallen in love with this mermaid and <laughs> he talks about how they're going to go away. You know mm-hmm. they're going to go away from from all the, the the newspapers and the radio and all the news and all the poly he talks about all that stuff, and he just wants it to go away and Something about this movie I thought was pretty unusual, of course, we know that in in the thirties and forties, you could not show uh infidelity in a movie without being punished like yeah. that that was simply not allowed. but in this movie, Mr. Peabody flat out does fall in love with the mermaid i mean and he they really smooch. does. Yeah, I mean, he really does want to get away from his wife. Now, luckily, Irene, Ir- Irene Hervey, the way she plays Polly, she's not too bad. They, they, you know, she's actually given a relatively well-rounded character. She's not this sort of hectoring, take my wife, please kind of caricature. She seems like a perfectly nice person. But he, he genuinely does want to, want to run away with her, and the movie doesn't judge his character for that, which I thought was pretty remarkable and unusual for a movie of its time
0: well there also is a great joke uh, you know showing his relationship with his wife in that there's some part where he can't see all of her he just sees a great pair of legs and later on realizes he's been kind of ogling his own wife um right, and right. they make all these jokes about like wow a man who still loves his wife ha 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 so there is they do save that connection by by showing you that there is like a, a connection there to his wife but the idea of um aging kind of drives him into another another fantasy um or, or at least uh, the the, the the fantasy of of another life um and i love the idea that like even in the 40s it was like i want to leave the newspaper i want to leave the radio i want to get a shack and be away from it all you know because we have so much more technology now and i think that's why mermaids are still appealing to us is the idea of like a, a world without the complications um that we have is is still a fantasy and an ideal for us now
1: Yes, absolutely. Uh, now, this, as I mentioned, this film was directed by Irving Pichel, who didn't have that much of a career in terms of a director. There aren't that many films of his that are terribly notable. Uh, I think for the most part, this film doesn't have too much of a distinctive visual style, although I will say that when they go to their vacation and they go to this remote island, I love the sets uh, mm-hmm. of this vacation. I mean, it looks fabulous. It kind of reminded me a little bit of the sets they used for Shangri-La, In the Mm -hmm. 1930s, Lost Horizon, and it wouldn't surprise me at all if they were repurposed sets. They did a lot of that back then. But, I mean, the architecture is beautiful. And all the underwater photography, all the stuff with Anne Blythe underwater, I thought looked terrific. I thought it it looked really cool.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, well I think so as far I read up a little bit on like the underwater filming of it because I wanted to hear more about Wikiwachi and there's a couple scenes like a fight scene that was filmed in a tank but because of the thing about Wikiwachi is because it was a theater that sunk into a lagoon um, they had they have props and sets and things so I think for the studio to add lights and and um, you know make a, a background and have performance under there it, that place was already built for it you know they could put things in the underwater theater like there was women who were trained to swim underwater and be body doubles um that could be body doubles for any of the, the mermaid parts of it um so it kind of was naturally suited to have a movie filmed in the spring it's very clear water uh, and the the surface reflection is really beautiful and it, and it takes to um theatricality really well yeah it,
1: right it fits the it fits the tone of the piece i mean there is um i i noticed in the early scenes where he is on vacation you know he's on vacation and he's talking to like the the kind of like the the Not the butler, but like one of the guys that works at the resort who's sort of like the, you know, he's the guy that go get you stuff or whatever, one of the help. And he starts hearing the mermaid song. Uh, I really like that. It really, it actually, like in another movie, you could have, that could have been the intro to like a horror movie if they wanted to. (laughs) Because it really (laughs) has kind of very slightly eerie, ethereal quality to it. And it, I really like that part of it. You know, it had this like this, oh, and he's hearing. He's like, do you hear that? And the guy's like, no, I don't hear anything. What are you talking about? And she's like, no. "He's like, I keep hearing this, going out there. And it, that part had some, like, real verisimilitude to it, which I, mm-hmm. I liked. I liked that quite a bit. Because, of course, the opening scene in the psychiatrist's office, there's a little kid who's like, is everybody here crazy? Is that guy crazy? <laughs> like, it has a very sitcom feel mm-hmm. to it. And other than the stuff underwater, I don't think – this film looks relatively uh, – I, I don't mean this as a – pejorative but it looks kind of cheap like it doesn't look like a really high level i mean in fact the fact that everybody in this movie is relatively not famous except for william powell makes me Mm -hmm. feel like this was almost like a b picture that somehow landed an a level star because virtually you don't hear of anybody else in this movie other than william powell and so but nevertheless like once it gets to this stuff with the the mermaid and underwater like it it really does have a very believable if if i can put these two words together believable yeah. fantasy element
0: <laughs> no i think you're totally right because there's some initial scenes when they're on vacation where like he's got a boat and he's put his sail down but the the screen behind him is still moving so i'm like there's you know there's no way he's still moving that fast if his screen yeah. is down so there's but once he meets the mermaid i and this is something that i just kind of love about mermaid stories and films in general is that there there's something about once you introduce a mermaid like anything else is possible um, and so it kind of rips away all of your disbelief. So it's like, once he meets the mermaid and, you know, he's hauled a woman up into his boat that has a fishtail and he's carrying her around, you know, in her fishtail, like kind of all the other, like anything that, that is chintzy, um, or, or like unbelievable or just kind of falls away and you start to really invest in, um, this man's relationship with this mermaid.
1: Right. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it, First of all, I did want to say this was based on a book, Peabody's Mermaid, which is confounding to me. I'm just trying to map how this works as a book. You know, yeah. <laughs> how this as a novel, uh-huh. you know, like Guy and Constance Jones or a couple. But uh, but yeah, um, one of the things that this movie is only about 90 minutes. Uh, mm. And I will say, I don't know about you, but like I do feel like that they didn't. They had a lot of scenarios that were kind of like a very threes company type scenarios where it was like they had to have a lot of misunderstandings and people looking the wrong way at the wrong time. I mean, there is yeah. a moment where he brings the he brings the mermaid to to his hotel and he puts her in a tub and he tells the wife, "Mermaids in the tub," and she goes and yeah. she sees and she doesn't see the girl. She she looks in but she doesn't see that the girl has a fish tail. And right. she walks away and she's like, get that girl out of the And you're like, well, if you had just waited a couple more seconds, you would see the fishtail. And then like yeah. this whole movie would – this whole plot would unravel if you would just stand <laughs> there for more than three seconds and talk about this. So that stuff didn't – I felt that stuff kind of like got old relatively fast. And for yeah. a movie, again, it was only 90 minutes. So I was like, OK, I, kind of enough of this. But all the yeah. stuff with William Powell and Ann Blythe, I really mm-hmm. did like. I mean I really like that he's so kind of – desperate to connect with her even though she never talks she only sort of nods her head and she sings and is able to sort of follow basic you know she seems to understand what he's saying but Mm -hmm. on a sort of like almost like a dog-like level because Mm -hmm. i mean you know she who knows if she understands english or whatever but i like they seem to have a nice chemistry even though you know she looks like she's probably only in her in her early 20s here and he he's 56 at this point yeah. I don't know very, I think very easily It could have come across As kind of creepy But I don't know yeah. I, didn't, I didn't get that When watching no, Maybe because William Powell himself Is that- so sweet
0: yeah, I think that speaks to, like, their chemistry and stuff, too, because there was a moment where, like, I'm like, wait, he's kind of kidnapped this mermaid and, and like, throws her into this fish pond in his hotel, and, like, this could get very, like, Marquis de Sade or something, like, this is gonna <laughs> go somewhere dark, um, but I think their their chemistry together, I think part of this Anna Bly's face is really expressive, even when she's just kind of nodding along, and she has this kind of wonderful um, innocence to her, and she's, you know, she's, there's this one shot of her when he first brings her the hotel he's wrapped up in a towel she's lying on the bed and you see her face kind of peek out from the towel and and look around like where am i now how exciting um so you kind of get that the mermaid is on her own little adventure as well and so sometimes the relationship is a little bit more like a pet like he's kept her like a pet in the fish pond and she's naughty and she eats all the fish in the pond and he's like he chastises her for that he's like you just ate a thousand
1: dollars worth of fish
0: yeah, um, you know, and then there's and then I kind of like the way they needle at the at the um, the censors too, where there's a whole scene where he has to buy her some sort of top, um, and so he goes to get her a sweater, and then realizes he can get her the, just the top half of a bathing suit would right. be yeah quit um so yeah there is so there is some things where it's a little like is she a pet is she a person how much do we hem- humanity do we assign to her but i think that's also a lot of that follows kind of a classic mermaid story structure of like there's a guy who hears a siren call it's unclear if you know he's crazy if it's in his head um if he's the only one that's hearing it is it because it's meant for him or does he just feel like it's meant for him you know and then the scenes where he's on the boat and he, t- he ties up at that rock and sees just the mermaid comb on the rock is, um you know, another classic uh, mermaid legend thing. Like they're they're always looking in mirrors or brushing their hair and you might only ever um, uh, get one artifact for them. And that fits in with other mermaid mythology where. Um, especially in kind of uh, Irish um, or Scottish mythology, if they're, they might be selkies or something else, but often um, they will leave a cap or something behind. And the man who, who can hold on to that cap or that, that article or whatever can keep the mermaid. Um, So when he almost took the comb, I was like, Oh, if he gets that comb, that means he can keep the mermaid for as long as he has it. Um, But he does leave it there and then finds her again later. Um, So, but but it does it does follow a classic story for him to have you know pulled her up on the boat, taken her home, kept her for a while, uh, and then eventually has to release her um and That is kind of the tragedy of a lot of mermaid human stories is that there's a moment where the mermaid must always return to the sea, and the human character is always then left to grapple with um the reality of different worlds or the or the for time, they are given a relief um, while they have the mermaid, a relief from the realities of their human life, from the, uh, the ability to fantasize about what their life could be like with a mermaid. Um, and then once the mermaid is released, the story always follows that they have then have to grapple with whatever they were projecting onto the mermaid. They then have to deal with themselves. So in his case, it's you know he has to face his mortality he has to deal with the fact that his wife has run off on him um and then also that he has to kind of pretend that like oh yes it was totally a fantasy i just was having a mental break for a second um he can't admit to the reality of the mermaid or it would he would lose everything
1: I had no idea that the comb was part of like mermaid lore. I was completely yes. now. Now that Little Mermaid scene yeah. makes sense to me. I
0: understand. yes, <laughs> they're always like combing their hair, and I mean that's what the gag that I like that I don't know if anybody else would notice is how many combs the mermaid had in her hair. Like <laughs> I don't know if she traveled with them or if she stole them from the bathroom, but at some point when she's in the fish pond, she has six or seven combs, and oh, she I didn't like even notice that. She, yeah, and at some point she, when she's swimming underwater she kind of hides in this little shell um, in the fish pond and she has all of these combs there and when he's like, um, so part of the plot of the movie is that the, the wife disappears and the authorities are like, oh you've done something to your wife and he's like, I've got to flee and so he goes to the mermaid like, we've got to get out of here now and she's like, hold on and she gathers all her combs and she like won't leave without them Um, so I was, uh, to me, as just like a mermaid person, that was hilarious
1: <laughs> like, Oh wow, okay, that's yeah. cool uh, I'm <laughs> glad you mentioned this scene about where he goes Goes to buy her the swimsuit because I, I mentioned earlier that i feel like this is kind of a b movie with an a-level star and i most of the other actors that he that william powell interacts with um you've got clinton sunberg as a guy playing mike fitzgerald who was another guy who was on vacation who seems kind of miserable he's like a, a miserable married man and i mentioned the the psychiatrist played by uh, art smith at the beginning but he goes and when he goes into the the um the store called the Wee Shop of Intimate Things, which is a great yes. name for a, totally. for a lingerie store. The, the clerk is played by an actress named Mary Field. Now, I had to look her up because I thought of all the other actors that have tiny parts in this movie that have maybe one or two scenes or, um, or, or you know, are not, say, like the top two or three leads – like, Mary Field is, I feel like, the only one in the movie that is really kind of there to play. She mm-hmm. is really funny in her in her brief scenes as the clerk because, of course, he comes in and he wants to buy this, you know, bikini. And he's got to pretend it's for his wife. And he's like, oh, I don't need the bottoms. And she's, like, giving him the weird eye or whatever. <laughs> and she is really giving it to William Powell as good as he's returning it. And I thought she was really, really funny. And I went and looked her up on IMDb. And she basically always played sales clerks. Like, that was her thing. She just, like, if you look at all the movies she's in, it's like, she's like file clerk, sales clerk, secretary, shop owner. And I'm like, okay, she had a thing. And Hollywood knew to just use her. She was actually in another William Powell movie called Life with Father. Uh, I don't know if they had any scenes together. I've seen that movie, but I don't remember whether, I don't remember her in it. And she was in another movie called The Corpse Came C.O.D., which I have no idea what that is, but that sounds fantastic. But I... Like, I really appreciate when you have an actor who is a jobber, you know, who is probably one of these people that's under contract by the studio. They work every day. They do five minutes at this movie, three minutes in this other movie, and they just shift from thing to thing to thing every day. But I love that I've got the sense that she was like, I am going to I am going to take the most out of this scene I have with this great actor, William Powell. She is really, really funny because of course she's horrified by the things he's saying because yeah. it sounds so smutty and yet she can't kind of come out and say it. So she's kind of giving him a lot of lip and he is of course getting all flustered because he doesn't want to have to reveal these things. So that in, in a lot of ways, other than the scenes with him and uh, Ann Blythe, that's my favorite scene in the movie is him in that in that shop because it's like, he's just so flummoxed by this woman who just is – like, really upset by how, like, he seems like a dirty old man, I guess.
0: Oh, so dirty, yeah. <laughs> like, well, also, the, he comes asking for a sweater, and she's like, why is your wife averse to swimming in a swimsuit? <laughs> yeah, he's right. like, oh, right, swimsuits are a thing. Which, I was interesting because... um I think at at that exact time, like, the bikini had not been named a bikini yet. Um, So, you know, for us, that would be an obvious leap to go just get the top half of a bikini. Um, But that actual kind of swimsuit was still pretty new. Um, So it kind of makes sense that he would think of a sweater first before a bikini.
1: Right. That's true. I guess, right, because the bikini was named for the bikini A-Tall, is that right is that, mm-hmm, do I have correct. that right okay and yep. that's okay. that's later yep. on in the
0: 40s yeah so there's two pieces you know and but they're slightly more conservative um and you know like there's still high waisted swimsuits and and that kind of thing but, it, but a bikini would not be your go-to at that time
1: okay all right that makes all right now that makes a lot of sense so yeah. what did you yeah. think about it as Like for as a mermaid movie I mean obviously I'm uh, let me ask you I was about to guess what you were going to say I wanted to ask you like in your mind what is the great mermaid movie is the what's the number one movie that for someone who loves mermaids is like that's the movie
0: well I think for me personally the ultimate one for me is Splash Um, I mean it's the one that I'm most familiar with it's the movie that I grew up on before The Little Mermaid Um, and so I kind of all of my own mermaid mythology it really usually comes back to Splash I joke that I moved to New York because I thought you would just be a mermaid there Um, (laughs) so like that's what happens is if you move to New York you become a mermaid and you fall in love so that's why I went there um uh, so splash definitely, and and so I would say Mr. Peabody and the Mermaid, although it is a mermaid, m- has a mermaid in it. I don't think of it as a mermaid movie because I think in this particular movie, the mermaid is more of a vehicle and not the protagonist. Um, so if you're looking for a movie where you want to explore the ideas and mythology of a mermaid, this is not it. This movie is wonderful for how they were um, able to portray a mermaid and get the mermaid tail and do the underwater scenes are really fantastic. Um, But I wouldn't classify it as a mermaid movie.
1: Okay, I could see that. Right, because she's, I mean in in a lot of ways you could have made the mermaid anything else, any fantasy element that Mr. Peabody falls in love with and he dreams is going to take him away from his humdrum life, the fact, and his mortality. He doesn't want to turn 50 and all that other kind of stuff. So yeah, it could have been you know a, a ghost you know or you know, Mr. Yeah. Mr. Peabody and Bigfoot you know if you wanted Yeah
0: exactly to. exactly it could have, yeah it could have been a cocktail waitress she could have been anybody right. um, i think the psychiatrist is like oh yes there's a figure skater that i liked you know and i was like Oh okay. that's
1: right is that line about yeah it? yeah 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 yeah
0: yeah so i was like okay so so it's not yeah so what i didn't really know what to expect from it but once i got into it i was like okay i get it this is not a mermaid film per se it's a, a mermaid is in the film um, so so i would just talk about it in a different way than i would Something like Splash, where the mermaid um, is a is a protagonist, um, you know, or The Little Mermaid, or which other people are familiar with. There is a movie called Miranda, which is about a mermaid that I've never seen. I'd like to see at some point. I think it's yeah. a, it's a little bit later than this one, I believe, um, but I I don't know very much about it. Um, so yeah, so, uh, it's, I would not say it's a mermaid film, but as a film with a mermaid, I think I, the things that I enjoyed are the things that I recognized as drawing from mermaid lore. Like, and I always enjoy how, um, you know, mermaid lore is ancient. I think it, it, there, it goes back to like 1500 BC or even further. There's, um, different, you know, uh, goddesses in ancient cultures that are mermaids. Um, and so You know, mermaid lore is so old that you can draw on it um, in a bunch of different ways, and I like to see what people do with it. You know, do they go with the half bird, half fish kind of woman of the Odyssey, um, or does it fit, like, a more... um, like irish or Gaelic mythology where you know and it's like does it have to do with sailors or do you just i mean i'm just always interested in how people will interpret it so i love that there was a sirens call that he heard um you know i love that he's fishing and so he, like f- for a minute he's like kind of odysseus and then he's also a fisherman and he catches her with her hook um you know and then also there's always so much when um a human and a mermaid meet and i kind of always love the tension between who's gonna believe even who like is the man gonna think that the mermaid is real and is the mermaid gonna think that the man is real um and so that's i think that's what i responded to in ann blight's performance is that she um i read into her face a lot of wonder of like who is this guy and what are we doing <laughs> you know um so um I just like the the idea of playing with who sees the mermaid, who doesn't see the mermaid, who believes in the mermaid, who does not. Um, and they really, in this in this movie, William Powell is kind of drunk a lot because he's on vacation. Right, yeah. Uh, so, so it was like, is he did he bring the see the mermaid because he's drunk? Did he bring her home because he's drunk? Or did he get drunk after that happened? You're not clear when he's sober. <laughs> like, um, so that and that kind of thing I always enjoy because when you're dealing with a mermaid, there is that tension of like, is this real or is this in my head? Um, and it's fun for the character, and I think it's also interesting for the viewer to ask themselves, like. And I think with this movie, they played on that line of, like, if you, if you were too uncomfortable to believe this mermaid is real, you had the out of the psychiatrist's office and the idea of a mental break. If you are comfortable enough with the fantasy of the mermaid, there was plenty of it for you um, to believe that he really did keep her in the fish pond and fall in love with her um, and that she seemed to really care for him, too.
1: Right, I mean, she does manage to always kind of come and go right at the moment where somebody might be looking, and then they turn they turn away, and then she appears like there's the thing where um, she steals um, I forget what she steals, but she steals out of the when the the cops go looking for for Mister Peabody. Uh,
0: oh, she and, has the dress of that other woman too.
1: Yeah, and she steals the yeah. thing out of the boat, you know. And the guy's like, "Hey, yeah. why don't you put that back?" And she's like, "The other guy's like, I didn't take it." And then the scene where they go they go into like that little atoll and they're hugging, mm-hmm. and just as the guy. The uh, one of the cops pokes his head in through the the, the hole in the cavern with the flashlight, and he's yeah. like, "Mr. Peabody." And then they do the shutdown, and we see that she's already disappeared. And in fact, she slipped out of Mr. Peabody's arms, and he didn't even notice. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. it's like, no one ever really ever gets to see her. Um, right. What do you What did you think of the? I guess this is from from Mermaid lore, and that that she is mute, that she doesn't talk. Is that is that yeah. always the thing?
0: It is. It is often. Um, it kind of, it kind of changes. Oh, I was going to say the one. The one thing is the people who did seem to see her or believe that she was there though is the staff, um, which I was interested in because I wondered if for if for a while they were going to get into any sort of like um, native legends of wherever they were vacationing because the staff seemed to know that there was he brought someone home. Maybe it was a woman. Maybe it was a fish. Um, mm-hmm. I can't remember who saw her exactly. So like there was this idea that maybe other people saw him bring a mermaid home, but they never really explored that. Um, uh, but yeah, so the, as far as like mermaid lore of not speaking, um, the, the idea of hearing a voice and of, of, of a singing is really common. I mean, in the most classic example is in the Odyssey when, you know, sure. um, Ulysses is like, tie me to the boat. Don't let me be <laughs> lured by those seductive bird women. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, um uh, so those are sirens, which are different from mermaids. Um, but yeah, it really it really depends and changes because in legends where men, you know, like fishermen meet a mermaid and marry her, it seems like she does speak or learn. Mermaids seem to be very adaptable in most legends. They like are like, oh, I've never spoken this language, but now I can <laughs> because they're kind of magical. Um, so yeah, it just depends. It just depends. I think on this one, they were in this movie, they were right to make her silent because you can you he's so it's so much easier for him to project anything he needs to on a on a mute character um versus if she starts talking back then you have to deal with them or um as a sentient being and in this case she is um part fantasy you know part vehicle for uh, mortality. Oh, I was going to say the the image of mermaids um being immortal though is is a common thing. Like they're often thought of as living for a very long time or it's thought that like if a you know, if a sailor's drowning and a mermaid kisses him, um then she can save him, maybe she will take him underwater and they'll live together forever. Um so it's it's normal to have a mermaid as a stand-in for immortality. Um so that part of the legend makes sense to me that um if he if the protagonist is having a crisis of faith, um, or is uh, confronted by a fear of mor- of mortality, that a mermaid would be the natural um, natural character for him to meet in that instant.
1: All right. That makes sense. Now, this the, I was aware of this movie long before I ever saw it. And I think the reason for that is because of just a weird quirk of fate, that at the same time that they were making Mr. Peabody and the Mermaid, on the same – a lot, they were making Abin Costello meet Frankenstein yes. And so, there's this Famous still of Glenn Strange As the Frankenstein monster Carrying Anne Blythe In her mermaid costume And, because mm-hmm. apparently what happened was Tourists, when they did, you know, tours of the movie studio They went into, like, the uh, the Commissary, and there they saw the Frankenstein monster having lunch with a mermaid uh, Which, yes. you know, talk about Getting your money's worth for your tour oh, yeah. you know, you're Like, that's such a Hollywoody thing to see
0: and I've seen that picture a lot and not realized that it was from this film. So um, when I was watching the film, I then went and looked up and I was like, oh, yeah, it's the same mermaid. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, yeah, they got their bang, a bang the bang for their buck in that <laughs> publicity photo, um, which also I think is interesting. If you want to go on another angle is the idea of mermaids as monsters um, is uh, is not exactly in this film, but that is another um, is another angle and like the lure, which is a movie which came out a couple of years ago, the right. mermaids were very much like monsters. There's um, a current TV show called Siren and that draws a lot from Jaws. So there are some myths or stories where the mermaid is more of a monster than a like beautiful fantasy creature. Um, so I just seen a mermaid and Mr. Frankenstein together kind of, I mean, it's just delicious as a, right. as a image, but um, to make the association between mermaids and monsters is just also interesting.
1: Yeah, I, I feel like uh, you know making movies back then was a lot more fun. Because yeah. <laughs> you would see you would see a lot more crazy stuff nowadays. It's yeah. probably just all a bunch of guys, you know, in front of their laptops making CGI effects. You know, what yeah. I mean, it's like there's not much to look at. Instead, in the old days you had a guy, you know, guy in an Abe Lincoln costume and some Roman gladiators and a Frankenstein yeah. and a mermaid, or just a lot more interesting stuff to kind of see. Oh, so.
0: totally. And and that makeup takes. So the makeup for Frankenstein, I'm sure, took forever. I saw some um, photos of of Anne Blythe being. Um, um molded in plaster for her tail and of the making of the tail and i'm sure and to get that on takes forever you can't you can't take it off so i mean i'm surprised she was even eating or drinking honestly while in the tail but um i guess you have to eat um but yeah so they wouldn't be able to take that off just for lunch
1: <laughs> yeah right yeah that would be a huge pain um yeah i, I have to ask because you who yeah. else would know this better how does one swim in a mermaid costume tail? it seems impossible okay
0: No. So thank you for asking. So, for people who don't know currently there is a thing called mermaiding um which is it's gotten it's getting much much more popular but there um are plenty of people who now have tails that are either fabric or they're or maybe bespoke custom tails which are made out of silicone um but they go to places and either hang out near water or swim in the water in these tails so it's kind of it's part hobby part sport there are some like world-class freedivers who do a lot of underwater modeling as mermaids and mermaid tails um but so I, I think a lot of people who buy a fabric tail and just try it out, it, it something about the fantasy of it makes you think that the minute you put on the tail, you're just going to be a mermaid. And the reality of it is not that. Um, so how you swim on in a, a mermaid tail is it's very similar. If you've ever done a dolphin kick. Um, so you, it's really not about like using the feet, um, as much as you, all of your movement originates from the hips. Um, and then the tail kind of just gives you like a little extra rudder, um, as you move along. So it's very beautiful, fluid m- movement, but you do have to rely a lot on your hips and your arms to pull you through the water.
1: Okay. Cause I mean, I, yeah. when I watch those scenes of. Uh, they, you know, the of her of her or the stunt woman swimming yeah. in the water in the fishtail. I'm like, how the hell how the hell does she do that? I don't understand. Yeah,
0: it, it it's well so impossible. filming at WikiWachi, WikiWachi only opened in nineteen forty seven. So this film is made a year later. So there are I did find a blog post with a bunch of pictures of um Newt Perry is the guy who started WikiWachi and he was um a World War Two frogman, which is um kind of an early kind of Navy SEAL. So um in WikiWachi he put a bunch of um air hoses throughout the theater. And so the wiki watchy mermaids would do underwater ballet and breathe from these air hoses. So they never went to the surface. Um, so, but the, their style was a lot more underwater ballet. So you have fins or bare feet, not a mermaid tail, but, um, the, the women that worked there were able to help train Anne on, um, underwater performance. And so a lot of the moves that she does in the tail are wiki watching moves. Um, I recognize them from the performances. Um, but, uh, but they but the Wiki watching Mermaids at that time didn't perform in a tale. So I think there was a quote I saw from Anne Blythe about having to learn not to kick her feet when she slam, um and to originate everything from her hips and her butt.
1: Wow, okay. I yeah. I I, uh, I have a friend who plays uh, Aquaman at uh Wiki Uh, shows.
0: Oh, really? Okay. Yeah.
1: And I'm like, never in my wildest dreams that I think I would know not one, but two people that have experienced (laughs) WikiWalki. It seems what an amazingly small world. And uh, something else that occurred to me about this movie is I have a, uh, there's someone I know who has a young daughter. I think she's about six who is obsessed with mermaids. Mm -hmm. She loves everything mermaid. So I mean, Little Mermaid and everything, Splash, whatever. And I'm sure she's never heard of this movie. And I sort of contemplated recommending it to, to him to, for her to watch because I thought, well, it's from 1948, so it's obviously family safe. But then right. having having watched it, I don't know if a six-year-old would really – we would appeal to a six-year-old because as we've talked about, this movie is so really more about a guy going through a midlife crisis as opposed yeah. to a mermaid having adventures.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you wanted to show her the clips on YouTube of the underwater scene, that might be enough for her because her right. swimming is really beautiful. Um, she does a really good job. It also reminds me of Daryl Hannah in Splash. You know, uh, She was somebody who just liked to pretend to be a mermaid as a child, and so she was kind of already good at that um, underwater movement, and then they put her in a very expensive custom tale. Um, so, yeah, I think for somebody who wants to just watch Mermaid Scenes, watching clips of it on YouTube would be fine.
1: <laughs> right. And speaking yeah. of YouTube, I mean, this movie is available entirely on YouTube. Uh, you can go to YouTube and watch the whole movie from beginning to end. Uh, I guess that the studio, whoever owns the rights to this at this point, I, I, isn't terribly. Uh, worried about monetizing it because it was on VHS. That's where I remember I saw it for the first time when I worked at the at Movies Unlimited back in the 90s. And again, mm-hmm. I watched it because it was William Powell. I, was just, I loved everything with William Powell and I wanted to see it. But it's basically not available on DVD as far as I know. You can watch the whole thing on YouTube. And the hallmark of any movie that I think a studio has just basically given up on is that yeah. if you cannot find a trailer – on YouTube, there is no trailer yeah. for this movie. Even Turner Classic Movies, which is like the, the the grand database for movie trailers, does not have a trailer. If you look this movie up on their website, you can find some clips, but no trailer. And so that makes me feel like the studio is just like, eh, there's, we're not going to make any money from this, so whatever. But said, it. if you want to if you can see it, you can go to YouTube and watch the whole thing.
0: Yeah, well, they actually do have. A, I found a DVD on Amazon, but it's just the whoever put it on YouTube also made a DVD and is just making money selling a DVD version of it.
1: Okay. Oh, okay.
0: Think- it's not – I don't think it's anything to do with the studio. It's just somebody's burning DVDs um, okay. <laughs> because actually this is a movie that my stepmom has always wanted to watch. She's a big Mermaid fan as well, so – and she – there's no way I can make her watch anything on YouTube. Um, so I got the DVD <laughs> and realized it was just them burning the YouTube film to it. <laughs> All
1: right. Well, hey, you know, it, it's I, – I, hey, look, you know, you got your stepmom to watch it. You know what yeah. I mean? I can see. Yeah. I mean, my, my parents Very would be excited. the same way. There'd be no way I'd be like, hey, dad, we are going to watch – my yeah. dad's 86. You're going to watch – this movie on YouTube, my dad would nope. be like, What are you talking about? So,
0: get the computer away from me, <laughs> but yeah, I right, thinking. exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, I so, have so a yeah, DVD. <laughs> right,
1: right, it seems more official that way, so yeah. yeah. I mean, like I said, I don't know if I would, you know, a lot of the times for the movies that I pick for, for Film and Water, I, I recommend, I say, go watch this. I don't know if this is for everybody, but I do think it's, it's sweet. If you like William Powell, it features a nice performance from him, kind of at the, no pun intended, tail end of his career. Uh, mm-hmm. He only had another seven years left in movies, and, and pretty much after that he, he retired. And He lived all the way into the 90s. Uh, so he lived I, heard,
0: the- I heard he was blacklisted during the McCarthyism um, I
1: I never heard that but I mean oh. maybe I I had heard that cuz his final film is Mr. Roberts uh which is oh. talk about going out on a winner like man yeah. that's a good that's a good I had always heard that he just decided I'm getting too old for this I just don't feel like doing it anymore, and so he officially packed in. But, I mean, he lived, again, he lived for four decades. So, I mean, it's like he yeah. could have come back if he wanted to, but I guess he felt content to yeah. so leave, leave his career alone. But, I said, I think it's a charming movie. It's no masterpiece. Uh, I think maybe if um, there had been a director attached to it that was maybe a little more of a stylist, uh, had a little more flair, maybe this would be have a little more to it. But, overall, I think it's a nice, it's a cute movie. And, like I said, it's, it's William Powell and Ann, and Ann Blythe does deliver a very nice performance. And when you have to realize that she just never given a line of dialogue, how hard that's got to be to make a memorable character.
0: Mm -hmm. That's really remarkable. I think.
1: Yeah. So it says that is Mr. Peabody in the mermaid. Uh, Again, Laura, thank you so much for coming on. I was so excited to be able to talk like mermaids with you. This is super (laughs) cool. Uh, Before we sign off, I have to tell everybody, uh, I have to give special extra, special extra appreciation for Laura for coming on, because as we're talking, Laura is in Hawaii. And, yeah, Laura's in Hawaii. Now, I'm in New Jersey, where it is like thirty outside. If I was in Hawaii, I would not be inside doing a podcast. So the fact that you were willing to take forty minutes out of your Hawaii trip to do this, I really appreciate it.
0: I mean, you had me at mermaid so I figured I figured
1: you couldn't turn that down. That was that was I, yeah. I wanted to have you on the show, and I'm like, what oh, mermaid, perfect. So yeah. well, that leads into where can people find you on the internet?
0: Yay, come find me on the internet. Um, so my podcast is The Mermaid Podcast. It's on every platform. You can find us at mermaidpodcast.com. Um, we're also on Instagram and Facebook at mermaidpodcast. Um, if you want to talk to me, I'm on Twitter. My handle is at VonHotty. (laughs) um and i know you're welcome it's a long story
1: (laughs) one of the great Um, twitter uh, handles of all time
0: yeah thank you um and i'm also on instagram under laura von holt um but yeah the mermaid podcast if you just find google that you will find me awesome
1: (laughs) i had a great time talking aquaman so i'm really glad you you came on this was a blast to talk to you again
0: Oh, yeah. So anytime you want to talk mermaids or underwater, anything, I'm available.
1: (laughs) Uh, We'll have to find that Miranda movie and and talk about that. So, (laughs) So of course, everybody, if you want to find back episodes of the show, go to our website, which is FireAndWaterPodcast.com. You can follow us on Twitter because we're always talking movies there, which is at FilmAndWaterPod. So thanks, everybody, for listening. Until next week, that's a wrap. As soon as it's dark, I'm going to take the boat around the Cape to that fishing village. I'm going to write a letter to a man I know who lives down in the Florida Keys, as far away from any other human beings as he could get. I'm going to pay one of the fishermen to mail it for me. If that man will send me a map and a compass, I'm positive that we can make his place in a few days. And then we'll find us a place down there. There are hundreds of little islands in the Keys where I could build a shack on the Gulf. And then just think away from the world completely. no radio, no newspapers, no silly news from Washington, no politics, no rent trouble, no food shortages, nothing but peace, quiet and sunshine.